Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Spank Too Live, and we're live on the Live Life Live podcast. Today, I got a very, very, very special guest with me. Um, she's an entrepreneur, she's a makeup artist, brand ambassador, some of everything that you ever want to hear in a female woman powerhouse. How about we give her a chance to introduce herself? I was going to introduce her for you, but I'm going to let her introduce her own self because she's a dime and she, I got it. She needs all her credit. So, Take it away. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, Bella Don, a.k.a. Deja, a.k.a. Day, a.k.a. Data Dog, whatever you want to call me. But uh, it's your girl, Deja. Uh, I am the CEO of Doll by Day Makeup Service and the CEO of Bella Don Cosmetics. All right, um, Deja. So just tell the people a little bit of something about your background. So um, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Uh, I come from a neighborhood called Myrtle Grove. To anybody that know what that is, shout out to MGT. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I come from Miami. I was born and raised there um, to Delia and Derek Excel, my mom and my dad. Um, I grew up with my sister, Diamond. Uh, she was born without arms, so I kind of grew up a little bit different. Um, I grew up around somebody who was very motivated and um, very strong, mentally strong. So that, you know, weighed in on my life a lot because that's my big sister, pretty much my role model. Um, and growing up in Miami, you know, everybody we everybody pretty much would say we grow up pretty fast growing up in Miami. We mature pretty fast. Um, and just throughout being in Miami, I always just had a... a a niche or just a love for beauty. I was always that kid that getting off the school bus, I'll get caught by my mom with mascara on or eyeshadow on or big hoop earrings, just something I wasn't supposed to have on <laughs> or didn't leave the house in. And um, coming from Jamaican descent, both my parents are Jamaican. Anything that is grown or anything that enhances your beauty is considered to be grown. So from the nails to toenail polish to anklets and certain type of jewelry my family really like monitor a lot of that <laughs> stuff but somehow some way I still just ended up having a major love for everything beauty how was those moments when you used to like sneak into your mom's stuff and oh my and take God. take something to enhance their beauty how, how did she feel about that like what was her reaction she couldn't stand it like she it, after a certain point I felt like she set me up because I would do it so often I feel like she would set me up by putting her stuff in a certain place and she would know that I'm gonna go in there and touch it so when I go touch it and she goes back and look, she knows that it's been touched by somebody. Mm -hmm. My sister at this point is in college, so it's not her that's touching it. And then she's not interested in makeup or nothing like that. But my mama first thing used to be Deja. Let me go look at Deja. And I used to always just get caught. I will always get caught. I get caught taking her eyeshadows, her mascaras, her lip glosses, her lipsticks, <laughs> even down to her perfume. It used to be so bad. And my dad used to just tell her, just buy two of everything just so the girl could stay out of yours. But because I was still young, it my, my parents were really big on age-appropriate things. Mm -hmm. And makeup wasn't an age-appropriate thing until I was pretty much a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. So what, how was her reaction? Like, If you can give a real-time reaction of your mom right now, if she saw you go on her makeup counter, what, what would she say? Deja. She going to say my name like that. My mama sing my name every time she said it. Deja. 
You know I do not like all that grown stuff in my house. Why is it black stuff underneath your eyes? You didn't leave the house this morning <laughs> with that black stuff up underneath your eyes. What is that? Come out. She'll tell me, come out. She'll wipe it. She'll look at her finger. It'll be some black stuff on her finger. At that point, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. And um, my dad used to just always be like, Y'all going to, these women in this house going to drive me crazy. I don't know what to do. She fussing with the girl because the girl want to dress up and do all of this stuff that she see her mom do. Mm -hmm. My mom used to be a Mary Kay consultant. Mm -hmm. So once I got to a point of understanding what makeup was and what it did, she was having parties and and makeup gatherings and selling her products around that time. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that was something that had like a, a heavy influence on me too and I don't think my mom took heed to that I don't think she paid attention to the fact that you're dangling it right in front of her face and she is a little girl Mm -hmm. so she's gonna be attracted to the stuff she's gonna like it she's gonna want to play with it Mm -hmm. so so you said that the first time you actually was able to do it without any repercussions was senior year in high school yes how was that um opportunity now for you to be able to do it without having to really sneak and do it? How did it feel? Like, inside, what was that feeling like for you? Um, It actually felt pretty fulfilling. Uh, it was something that... I. It was something about the feeling of watching me do the work on somebody and then that young lady looking at herself and feeling like, oh, my God, I love this. That, that reaction always, always, always moved me when doing anybody's makeup. And it's not about me changing what they look like, but more so enhancing it. Throughout the process of doing somebody's face, as women, we point out a lot of our imperfections. So we'll point out the fact that I got a unibrow. So can you please fix that because I got a unibrow. I got a bump right here on my chin. Can you please fix that? We will point out all of our flaws in the midst of doing it and then only like ourselves at the end of it. So um, to be able to do somebody's makeup and talk to them about their flaws, compliment them on their flaws, that's a very fulfilling feeling to have. Mm -hmm. So um, it was extremely fulfilling to the point that, (laughs) to the point that, once I got the go to be able to wear makeup, I then took the extra step to do stuff like when it was cap and gown picture day, I skipped class like my last three periods to stay in the bathroom and do people makeup for their cap and gown pictures. Wow. And took like 5 to $10 from each girl just to do like their eyeshadow and stuff. I see your hustle started early. Yeah, it did. It, it really did. Like my parents always was open to... Me and my sister hustling, honestly. My my dad always been a hustler. My mom has always been a hustler in more ways than one, too. So, um, as a kid, they didn't mind. I had candy storehouses and everything. Now, how prosperous it was, <laughs> I can't tell you that because I was a chunky kid. So, I was eating the snacks, too. But, you know, they always were for... Um, us being entrepreneurs or us having our own little business or different things that we like to do. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that they thought it would be makeup mm-hmm. because I did so much. I did karate. I danced. I cheered. So I, makeup was kind of like out of the blue. Yeah, makeup really was something that just kind of popped up. I don't think that... I think in that time, because you got to think about it. I'm 25. 
So we looking at, I graduated from high school in 2013. We're looking at about like 2011, 20, 2011, 2012. That time frame, with that time frame, um, nobody, I don't think people really saw that makeup can be something that really create revenue. Mm. I think they saw it as a hobby or something that people just simply did. Right. But I feel like in 2012-ish, is when it started to pick up when we started hearing more of freelance. Freelance. I'm a freelance makeup artist. Before, it used to just be the girl that worked in Mac. Right. And then around 2012, you heard freelance. So um, when I was in the 12th grade, at that point, my parents just thinking, like, she just playing with paint on her face. <laughs> <laughs> Not paint. <laughs> yeah, it's just paint on her face. My mama always say, you look like a kid playing in makeup. Even still to this day, she tell me I look like a, a kid playing in makeup. Oh, mom, you can't be saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> You're an adult. <laughs> um, so you said something that stuck out to me, though. You talked about women and their insecurities mm-hmm. um, and how makeup helps enhance those insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people may look at you and say you're really beautiful. But have you ever, any point in your life, had a time where you had to actually deal with your own insecurities? When it came to, you know, yes. just your self-worth and how to move through life, really loving yourself. Because I hear a lot mm-hmm. that women say that's the reason they get into makeup. Mm-hmm. That's the reason they fall for fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, because those things help them feel good. Right. Even a lot of models that I know personally, more, more so than um, ever, more models have a lot of insecurities about their bodies. Yeah. But their body is their biggest asset. Right. Now, I... I... I definitely battle a hundred percent with um, with my self esteem, and when I say self esteem, let me break it down to you because I feel like there's um, different areas to it. Uh, naturally, naturally, my body type, I'm more of a husky type girl, so more on like the chunkier, chubbier side. So I always had like a thing about my body. Always, I, I'm my Biggest critic when it comes to my body. I if I'm really the Tina the talking tummy girl. Like I do that to myself when I'm by myself. <laughs> I do that to myself when I'm by myself. But um I had to get to a point that outside of all the makeup, outside of all the clothes, outside of all the weave, when it's just me and myself alone and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, like I need to be able to feel beautiful as that person too. So with doing makeup, I had to go through like a self transformation process too, where I had to like love on myself the way that I wanted to love on my clients Mm -hmm. while doing their faces. So I had to take off the lashes. I had to take out the hair. I had to take off the nails. Like even right now, I still don't have no nails. And even right now going into this year, um, started the start of 2020, I haven't been wearing any makeup throughout the year of 2020 only for when I have my appearances or different things to do. Mm -hmm. But day-to-day activity, I don't wear makeup or anything like that anymore. It used to be a necessity to me for me, but I had to dig into myself and ask, why is it that you have to get up every day and do your makeup? Do you not like your skin? Do you not like what your skin looked like without the makeup? Do you not like what your face looked like without the contour lines? Mm -hmm. So I had to do that to myself. I really had to check myself and, um, even as the new year came in as well, uh, if you notice, I, last year I was 
vivid color hair colors and a bunch of different hairstyles and stuff like that. This year is more along the lines of the natural hair colors, more natural hair textures, wearing more of my natural hair. Because, again, I'm trying to love on myself the way that I want to love on my clients. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really important. It's extremely important that when you strip away all the material things of the world, that when you look at yourself, you love who you are. And I feel like, you know, I don't believe in promoting the idea of lying, but lie to the world all day, every day. But don't lie to yourself because when it's just you alone in front of a mirror, I've literally had a whole Madea breakdown (laughs) moment, like a Tyler Perry, like... (sighs) Snatch the wig off, like looking at myself. <laughs> I'm so serious. I promise you, I did at the end of 2019. I promise y'all, like the last three months of 2019 was crazy. And I had that whole moment where I sat in the mirror and I just was crying because I felt like I was looking at myself and didn't know who I was. I was trying to figure out, like, where has my confidence gone? Like, Where did I lose control of having the power over what I felt about me? Where did I let that go and started allowing other people's opinion or other people's thoughts and feelings on what I look like or what I did? When did I start allowing that stuff to weigh so much on me to where I'm not comfortable with myself anymore? Mm -hmm. So I had to go through that whole transformation process. And uh, I think that I'm through it. I definitely, um, I see the, I see the difference. I see the difference hundred percent. I even see how I wake up and feel about my own skin, like my natural skin and what I look like without my face and everything. Meanwhile, my skin is pretty decent. I don't have bad skin. I don't have nothing. I'm just my own worst critic. And I think that's what it boiled down to with women mm-hmm. or people in general. Yeah. Cause I think we all are like our worst critic. Mm-hmm. Cause I know for me for a fact, before I even really got into the whole fitness thing, I used to just literally sit in the mirror and say, I do not like what I fucking look like. Mm-hmm. But I knew the only way to change it, I had to actually get up and do something. Mm-hmm. Either I was going to complain about it every day, or yep. I was going to take my ass to the gym and work my ass out yeah. until that shit got right. Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah. Um, so I just look at it as something like at some point, you know, that's what you women are doing. Makeup is your outlet. Right. So. It is. That's why I kind of get mad too. Sometimes when you hear people say, um, why do women put so much thought into makeup? Mm-hmm. Well, because that makeup probably makes them feel better. And believe it or not, we don't put that much thought into it. It's really a, I want to beat my face. <laughs> there's no thought. Like, there's no thought. I think that um, it's a case-by-case situation. Mm-hmm. You have some women who do use makeup to cover up what they don't like. And then you have some women who simply just enhance their beauty. And from the first day of starting my first business, Doll by Day, mm-hmm. that's my travel makeup service. From the first day of starting that, my slogan has always been, my goal is to enhance your beauty, not change it. Mm-hmm. That has like always that. been my slogan. And um, that just simply came from, at the end of the day, I can't change who I am. But what I can do is enhance myself to make me Deja 2.0. And I know that because I've done that. I was 168 pounds at 17, 16, you know. I, I weighed that much at that age. And then I got to a point where I wanted to be Deja 1.5. 
So I said, you know what? I got to actually work out. I have to work out. I have to stick to a diet. I have to eat correct. I have to do this stuff. And I was able to get myself down over the course of a few years. I was able to get myself down to the lowest I have ever been. And that was 117 pounds. Mm -hmm. And that was all simply off of just saying, you know what? I'm going to enhance myself, not change myself. Mm -hmm. For y'all who don't know. I know she's talking a lot about her weight, but just make sure y'all know, <laughs> Daisha was one of the baddest oh my God. FAMU 2013 class to come Please. in. So don't don't let her fool you. That's what the people <laughs> say. Don't let her fool you. That's what the people say, but you know, like I said, we are our own worst critics. So it's like people can gas you all day and, you know, be like, you're so beautiful. You're so this, but it really boiled down to what you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. For real, when you're when you're alone, right. it's that when you're alone, when all the noise is silenced and it's just you. That's what really that's matters. That conversation. Yeah, that's what really matters. Most so definitely. We as I um, bring up Fam Unite, uh, Fam U 2013, your class year that you mm-hmm. came in. How about you tell the people a little bit more about that that experience of you going through college? Okay, so school school was school was cool. School was cool. Kids, go to school. I don't care what nobody say. School is... School was one of the best decisions I could have made. Coming out of it, I was slightly kind of bitter. I was slightly kind of bitter coming out of it. But I think that's what happens when you go to a good HBCU that whoop your behind, but it whip you in shape at the same time. And you have to stop and you have to step back and you got to look at yourself and be like, dang... It wasn't all bad. Look at me now. Right. And that's what I could say, fam, you did for me. It made me feel like, look at me now. I felt like I was somebody going into it. Look at me now. But now coming out of it, it's like, yeah, I I definitely, I, I definitely could see where I'm going. But school was amazing, man. School was the first place where I got the opportunity to actually network with people and shake hands with people, build a Rolodex of contacts to be able to call people for things that I may not be capable of doing, but I know somebody that can. Um, A lot of the people that I work with now outside of school, I met them in school. Mm -hmm. My hairstylist met her in high school. We followed up, went to the same college together. My my two male stylists met them on FAMU's campus. I still consult them for my clothes or different looks that I need to do. Um, One of my designers that make my clothes from scratch, FAMU, we also went to high school together. Like Everybody, us right here doing this interview, (laughs) FAMU. My first podcast interview um, with Queen and Sean, FAMU. Shout out to Queen! I literally like maneuver with everything FAMU, and I feel like had I not gone there, I wouldn't have some of the pull that I have now, Mm -hmm. had I not gone there. like It's so many people in so many places that you won't even know is FAMU until... They open up their mouth and they say it. And um, I'm just happy to be a part of the legacy, honestly. Mm-hmm. I want to take something back to the school. I want to take something back to the school. Like, I I don't know what, but I want to do something really big for FAMU students. 
I just don't know what yet. I mm-hmm. just feel like I got to pray on it. Especially students who may feel like they probably are dealing with things that you dealt with as mm-hmm. a student. And they just don't know what to do right now. Yeah. That they're trying to figure out where to go. Most definitely. How to maneuver. Like, but I they have nobody to look up to. Yeah, I wasn't sure about my major going into FAMU, too. Like, I went in initially being in broadcasting, and then I had somebody come in to, I think, what class was that? I had somebody come into one of my first um, broadcast journalism classes. I probably was still in prereqs at that time. And they came into class and said that they work in um, in the news um, industry and... They pretty much told us only three of y'all ain't here going to actually end up on TV. And it was like a class of like 50 of us just about in there. Mm -hmm. And that one conversation pretty much discouraged me to the point that it made me go change my major. So it made me go change my major to PR, which was a broader. What was your major at first? Broadcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I went from broadcast to PR because PR just gave me more wiggle room to do more. Mm-hmm. I've always been good at so many different things. And initially I wanted to be like a, a meteorologist. I wanted to tell you the weather. Like I wanted to be a new, <laughs> a new a TV. We like went a from meteorologist anchor. to makeup. Yes. Like I literally wanted to be a news anchor. And to this day, my mom still asks me. Have you gone to the CNN building down there in Atlanta to try to apply for a job? And I'm just like, Mom, I don't want to work for the news. It's very conservative. It's very boring. (laughs) So she's, but to her, she's just like, that's what you went to school for. But I'm like, no, that's not just what I went to school for. PR covers that, but I can do a lot more. And I'm actually utilizing my degree with my business, with um, different branding and marketing tactics that we use with my business, even with promoting myself as like an individual brand and as a model. Mm-hmm. I used a lot of PR work, a lot of word of mouth, a lot of guerrilla marketing, everything. That's how I get majority of my gigs. Mm-hmm. So FAMU is the foundation to all of this right here. The parents are the foundation. FAMU is the stamp. Right. So tell me a little bit more about just building your name, building yourself up through college. How was that process? You know, what were some of the things that you may have to have to let go during that time? Um, Something that you probably went through that really weighed on you to the point that you felt like everything was over, life was Mm -hmm. over. What was those moments like? Or can you even give us a moment like that? Yeah, the buildup, the buildup was pretty... The the blessing is in the journey, man. The blessing is in the journey. People always miss it. Everybody always think the blessing is at the end. The blessing is in the journey. The process through school, um, while being at FAMU, I think around my, by my freshman year, come, just coming in, I was one of the two people in my whole class that probably actually wore makeup. Me and another young lady named Destiny Webster. Shout out to Destiny. Destiny probably was the only other girl in FAMU um, 17 that actually wore makeup. And I started out like that. I started out in McGuinn and Diamond, uh, cheerleaders and different girls that lived in my dorm. I ended up being Miss Diamond. At that point, everybody used to just come knock on my door and ask, can you do my eyebrows? Can you do my eyeshadow? So I started out very small from there. And um, I progressed from there to 
just being on campus, getting in different things like dance groups and um, being in a bunch of different organizations from social to uh, political on campus, it opened me up to meet a bunch of different people. And then by the time I became a sophomore in college, I was um, offered to do makeup for Amberly, who mm-hmm. at the time, I believe Amberly was about to start running for Miss Family. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I end up being almost close to her official makeup artist um, for her year as Miss FAMU. And I got to do that. I got to do some of the Royal Court uh, ladies makeup as well. So um, that junior year, once all of that stuff started to pick up, after I ended up working with the Royal Court, that's when I decided, okay, I officially need to make sure I LLC my business. So I LLC my business and turned it into Doll by Day. And um, that that process, it was tough. It was tough, but it was also a blessing at the same time because it was a lot that I didn't know. And I wouldn't know unless I put myself out there to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you said uh, what was like something that I battled with. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I battled with was like the charging what I'm worth. That's a big one. That was always hard. Even still to this day, it's still pretty hard because... Um, a lot of what goes on is like a popularity contest for people. It's about like who's who and who go to who and who have you done. It's all just about who. And um, sometimes that can make it a little discouraging, even though you know you have the quality of work. And um, that 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 process was a little tough. And. I had to just get to a point where it was like, I know my worth and I'm sticking to my prices and I'm standing on it. Even if it goes, even if I have to go months without any clients or anything like that, somebody will see my work, see my worth and book me. I'll be okay. Now, let's pause right there. So when we talk about the idea of knowing your worth, Mm -hmm. a lot of beginning entrepreneurs or just even people just now getting into their careers, they really don't know their worth sometimes. And a lot of times they're willing to just go for anything. Right. Like I know um, a great friend of mine, he got into the entertainment industry and he started working in PR, but he was like charging really, really low rates and that he know was not even industry standard Mm -hmm. and the people who he was uh, working for they knew that right and they were kind of taking advantage of it they will and then it's like on the back end you do it you do the work for them and you do great work but they always find a problem in the work you do and then now your name get bad mouth at the same time of you giving right you're not even being paid your worth right so let's stop there and talk a little bit more about just understanding your work and why is it important to just stick to your gut yeah. Um, and how do you even figure out your work if you never even know what you're capable of? I, and that's what I was going to start with. Um, I was going to start with uh, the quality has to match the dollar amount that you're putting on stuff. Now, I get how that can be something that can be argued because quality may change based on each set of eyes that's looking at it. Mm-hmm. Your level of quality may be different. To what I think is quality. Right. So that's where it kind of get tough. 
But then that's where you go back to with a business plan from the beginning. All businesses should have a business plan. You should have a target audience. So if you have a target audience, then you kind of semi know the lens that your target audience is looking out of because you've done your research. So um, I think that the quality has to match the price. I've had people uh, approach me and, for example, my sister screams and tells me all the time, your price is too low, Deja. She, my sister tells me all the time, she's like, you honestly, I feel like you can charge more than what you charge. The only reason I haven't upped my price is because I haven't reached a certain amount of clients that I want to have before I up my price again. Mm -hmm. And the reason I have a set number of clients that I want to reach before I up my price again is because each of those clients are practice. Right. So I'm scratching off each practice time and it's like, okay, the amount of time and efforts that I put towards the situation as well as the finished product of it, it deserves this amount. So I think that that matters. Um, And then I feel like Everything is an art. Everything that each of us do is an art. This podcast is an art. Uh, a videographer, that's a form of art. A makeup artist, that's a form of art. Um, somebody that does marketing, that's a form of art. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is different forms of art. And um, I think it's just about the consumer. It's about the consumer. And then people will argue you down about your price. But at the end of the day, this is not Walmart. We do not price match. <laughs> <laughs> we do That's not a word. price That's match. A sermon. No, for real, we do not price match. And if you found somebody with a better price, go over there to them. Don't tell me that. That that has nothing whatsoever to do with me. Mm-hmm. And um, you just have to remember, as consumers, consumers have to remember that when approaching entrepreneurs, don't approach us as if we're individual. Approach us as if we're an entity because we are. Even though we're just an individual behind the entity, don't miss that. Walmart may have 10,000, 20,000 employees, but who is Walmart that I'm not? Mm-hmm. I, I have the paperwork behind me the same way Walmart have the paperwork behind me. The only difference is Walmart has more notoriety. But eventually, I'll be to that point too. So treat me like an entity, not an individual. Right. You know, my whole take on it is that like, just because you lose a client doesn't mean you actually lost your worth doesn't mean you can't get another client because every loss is not really a loss. No. Because in that case, it's like, okay, I look at it like this and I've definitely got to the point where I'm stern on my prices. It's more to, if you can't afford my work, then you're not the client for me. Yeah, pretty much. If you can't afford my work, because for one, I know the amount of time that I'm going to put into your work. Mm-hmm. I know the scope of work. Mm-hmm. I know the efforts and the hundred percent that I'm going to give. And your dollar amount needs to match my efforts. Because yeah. if it doesn't, what's going to happen is you're going to lowball the pay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you a lowball amount of work. Right. And then you're going to get mad at me. Because right. you're going to feel like I'm not doing, I'm not treating you like the I same. treat my other clients. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, you're not treating me like you treat I've other people you would pay. I've experienced that so many times. I've experienced that so many times. Like I had to literally make a PSA like, hey, it's not a service for me to do your eyebrows, your eyelids, and your lashes. That's not a service. I'm not just doing this section of your face for $25, $30, and then you go do the rest of it. No, that defeats the purpose. You came to me for a service, and Mm -hmm. then you're going to be mad once your whole look don't come out like everybody else who I've done. But you only wanted to pay for eyelashes, eyeshadow, 
and eyebrows. Mm-hmm. So um, it, I always say that when you lose clients, losses are not losses. We're going to let go of the word loss and replace it with lesson because exactly. losses are not losses. They're lessons. Like in general, you learn something from every quote unquote loss. It's a lesson to everything that you go through. Or whether it was just for you to have better customer service, whether it was just for you to learn how to follow up better, whether it was just for you to learn how to properly deal with conflict with a client. Mm -hmm. It came for a reason. And I had to learn that because sometimes I will be reading people's stuff and I'll instantly go to my Deja mind. But Deja is not who's running dog by day. So I got to get out of my Deja mind and I can't respond how Deja want to respond. I have to respond how Data Doll, the person behind the Doll by Day brand would respond. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, it's like that's what shows me that you respect my work also. Mm-hmm. Because especially if it's someone who, one, you know me, you know my work, you know the work that I do, I do you've seen my journey. Mm-hmm. So we've already passed the whole situation of this is my first time dealing with you. Right. You already know what I can do and what I'm capable of. Right. If you come at me with a price that you know that you won't even charge for this work, mm-hmm. you won't even take, why do you think I would take it? Right. Because I'm going to take offense to it and feel like it's disrespectful. Yeah. People, people, I, feel, I always I, say. That's people, how I learned my word. I, I always say people try. They got to try it. They got to try it. They got to try it. It's the art of negotiation. They're going to yeah, try it. Like, They're going to see if you're going gonna to budge. Yeah. The real hustler is the customer. <laughs> right. It's not the person that's selling. <laughs> it's not the person that's selling anything. The real hustler is the customer, baby, because a customer will talk you down. They will talk you down. They'll come up with a payment plan. They'll come up with everything possible. Like how bad do you want? I always tell people, <laughs> I always tell people, if you're gonna do something where you're not gonna charge somebody, don't do it for clout. Don't do it for for uh take a picture and post. Don't do that. Weigh the, you need to weigh how major the opportunity is for you. What is the benefit in it for you? Is this client, if I give you a free face, is this client going to something major where this face is going to be broadcasted all over different networks or something like that? And now you just went from being a regular makeup artist who you just been doing regular clients that's come in day in, day out. Versus now you're a published makeup artist because your work has walked a red carpet or your work was seen on TV or as seen on this television show. So I tell people all the time, you know, wait an opportunity in things. If it's no monetary uh, needs, if it's no monetary compensation behind it, then weigh the opportunity in it. But at this point. Because it got to make sense. Yeah. It got to make sense. Gotta if make I'm going to lower my you. price for you, it has to make sense. Yes. And then even bargain services with people. Okay, cool. You can't pay me what I need you to pay me. You got a service you can offer. Like, is it something that you can offer or that I can offer you vice versa? Because I've done that with people too. I've bargained services with people. Um, Carve fashion. That's how it's said. Carve. Car- curve fashion. Curve fashion. Carve. <laughs> Sorry if I'm butchering the name, but shout out to Shayna, another FAMU, another FAMU student. Um, she has a clothing line and she made suits for me. Um, they were valued at about like three hundred to four hundred dollars. She made me two suits, and we bargained services for those items. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
The art of negotiation. Yeah, we ended up bargain, bargaining services for that. Uh, she felt like I had the the crowd of people. I had a shopper's market, a group of people that will see the suits and then start shopping with her. Mm-hmm. So she saw the perk in it for her. She had to see the value in me in order to say, okay, cool. I trust giving this girl $400 of work that I'm not actually physically collecting the money for, but I trust that she's going to bring me clients. Mm. She also utilized me for one of her photo shoots for one of her, um, one of her lines of, I think it was fall items that she was making. She used me in one of her photo shoots for Mm. that too. And I also charged for my services for doing my modeling gigs. Mm. I didn't charge her because we were bargaining services. Mm -hmm. So um, that ended up working out too. But I always say find an opportunity in it. If there's no opportunity in it, then scratch it. If people are not willing to pay you what you want want to be paid or what you deserve to be paid, scratch it. But also make sure that the quality of your work Follow up with the quantity of what you're asking for. Right. It all should be cohesive. It shouldn't be like, you charge this for this and this? Oh. Like, don't charge me throwing out numbers. Don't charge me $5,000 for a service, but you only giving me $100 worth of work. I use, I, I, I go by this saying, <laughs> and I use it both in both ways. When somebody comes to me and they don't have a budget, mm-hmm. but they want a million dollar work, I say, so basically, you want seafood on a fast food budget. Yeah. And then and vice versa. <laughs> you have a fast food budget, but giving me seafood. Right. Right. Like, mm. Yeah, it can't. It got it got it gotta make sense. It both has to match up. Yes. Or yes. I give you your seafood, I give you your crab, but I'm gonna give you the artificial crab. Right. So I'm gonna give you what you're asking for, it's just gonna be on a lower level. Yeah. <laughs> on your budget. We're gonna buy what you can afford. <laughs> right. Um so you went through college, good. So you found out that makeup was your calling back in high school, but that was before it actually took off. Mm-hmm. And then college, you realized this is what you wanted to do. So now here you are. You moved to Atlanta. You starting your career. Your career is now really, really moving. Let's go into that a little bit. And even during that process, was there anything that you had to give up in order to gain these 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 moments that you're having now? Yes, yes, I had to give up a lot. I had to give up a lot. The transition in general to Atlanta was kind of, it was tough, but it wasn't hard, but it was tough. Um, I moved to Atlanta two months after graduation, but two months before graduation had come and I was still in school, I was coming back and forth to Georgia um, at least two to three times in a month to apartment shop. Mm-hmm. On my free weekends and stuff that I had. Um, once I locked in the location of where I wanted to live, then um, everything else was about finding a job at that point. Uh, I ended up locking in a job with God is Dope through a couple of connections and ended up working, doing fulfillment with them. And um, fulfillment and modeling with them. So that helped me bridge the gap to kind of like, merging with the people in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. like becoming united with the people in the city, people who are from here, who are connected with other people. Um, But I, to get where I am now, I really feel like two years ago, I heard a, a quote that says, you have to let go of your old life to get to the new life that you want. And I heard it. Oh, hold on. That's a sermon. (laughs) 
Let the church say amen. Amen. Um, you gotta you gotta run that back. Yeah, no, for play real. back. Play back. Yes. <laughs> Give them that again. Look, y'all. The quote said, "You had to let go of your old life in order to receive the new life that you want." And I heard that two years ago, and it like didn't resonate with me for real. Until I noticed that a lot of the things that were a part of my old life, it started being stripped away from me. So a lot of friends, a lot of company that I kept, a lot of habits that I had, a lot of different things started being stripped away from me. And then I started to actually like look at and pay attention to who was around me and why. What are they contributing? What am I contributing to them? Um, what energy level does it take to be in a relationship or a friendship or any type of ship with the people that I had around me. And then eventually I looked up one day and it was like two or three people left. That was around me from my mm. old life for real, for real. And, um, I had to sever ties, you know, with, with people that I dearly love, you know, people that, you know, sometimes you build bonds with people over, temporary things that you're going through so you have to be mindful of who you let into your space depending on what you're battling because people will come in and they could feed what you're battling and you don't notice it until you're out of that fight and then you notice that oh man we built the bond over the fact that i don't know if i could say this on here but we built the bond over the fact that we roll up we gonna roll up together Mm -hmm. you know let's let's smoke together that's what our bond was built on. But when smoking is not in me no more to do, we no longer have a bond yeah, anymore. No you friends. no longer have a place anymore. So I had to like start searching, like really searching through myself, chopping down some things. You know, um, I did a lot of fasting, a lot of praying. I still got a lot of stuff to do, you know, a lot of stuff to chop down, a lot of different changes to make. But I, I definitely had to let go a lot of stuff to receive it because my hands were too busy being occupied. And I try to remind myself of this now. Try not to occupy your hands being so busy on holding on to so much that you have no space to open them up to like receive anything. Mm -hmm. So I had to, I had to just start dropping stuff off, dropping stuff off. And, and the transition to Atlanta, it seemed so tough. And why I said it was tough and not hard. It was tough because I'm transitioning to this new place as well as transitioning out of school, as well as transitioning to a new job. So everything around me was literally movement, right? just a bunch of movement. And I felt like I had like no real peace for real because it was just so much happening at it's once. It's like you're time. in the center of this rotating yeah. access. And then and once I got stopping. here and once I got here, it just was like, okay, my first couple of months here, I'm like, okay, I'm not doing anything. This sucks. And then I got a publicist. And then I started being at events. And then I started being on the road. And then I started, I just started being all over the place. And that took a whole nother toll on me too. It ended up being one of those things where it's like, okay, now you have to hone in and focus. Right. You got to focus because now you spreading your energy out in all of these areas. But for what? Math. It need to be some form of purpose behind spreading your energy to all of these areas. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell myself, look, you got a real bad habit of being a jack of all trades, but a master of very few. Right. I'm not going to say none. 
a but few. I'm gonna say a master of very few. And you you realize a lot of people who are very creative, we deal with that. Mm-hmm. Creatives deal with that more than anything. Yeah, and it's just because we're so good at stuff. We can do something in. Didn't actually plan it out. Didn't do nothing, but it just turned out amazing. And at that point, we feel like, oh, I could do this. But no, it, it takes real work to do stuff. Right, because well, once you realize this is something you can do, now you have to actually hone in. Yeah, to focus. the art of it. Right. Now you got to practice the art of it. That's why I say everything has an art. Everything has an art. You got to practice the art of stuff in order to actually know if you're a master of something. You have to study it. And I had to study makeup. Um. So, with your move to Atlanta, what actually did you gain from it? And, you know, what did you have to give up? I know you said you gave up friends. You had to give up some people who just wasn't good in your life. But what are some other things that you know you felt like you had you was holding on and just had to say in order for me to get forward, I gotta get, I gotta get rid of all this. Fear, fear of my own potential. Mm. Fear of my own potential. Like just seeing so many people have so much like hope and faith in me mm-hmm. scared me initially. It scared me, and it scared me because. I mean, I'm the younger sibling. I'm the baby. I'm the baby of my household. So um, I never really been the one that I never been the one that somebody for somebody to look up to for real because I'm the baby and I was the one doing majority of the looking up to for the most part. So um, with that, it made me people receiving me so much. And people rooting for me so much and being so excited for me, it was a different level of attention. So it slightly scared me to where I attempted to dim my own shine and I would try to run to the back or I went offer my ideas for stuff because I didn't want certain light put on me because mm-hmm. I knew it would come back around and get put on me anyway. Mm-hmm. So I would try to run from it initially. So um that was something that I had to shake my own fear, like being afraid of my own potential. I had to get out of my own head and out of my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so how has the move to Atlanta changed your life? Uh, it's changed it a lot. Um, it showed me that I'm more durable than I thought. Like I always would be like, I don't know how I would do this. I don't know how I would do that. And now I'm doing all of the stuff I said I didn't know how I would do it. Literally, I remember being in my dorm, looking at shop by said work, saying, dang, I wish my pictures looked like this. And then my first year living in Georgia, I did a photo shoot with shop by said. Nice. I literally used to look at Marcus Garden work all the time and be like, dang, his work is clean as hell. I can't wait to get to a point where I can do this myself. I turned around that first year I worked with Marcus Garden, too. So it was just like, whoa. Manifest. Yeah, like even down to my favorite influencer, Corinne Jinsu. If y'all know Corinne, y'all know Corinne is the finest girl on Instagram ever. I don't care. Debate me, fight me, whatever y'all want to do. Drop it in the comments. <laughs> but Corinne Jinsu is the baddest thing you get to Nikki, period. She's like a Nikki Jr. She looks like a Nikki Jr., but she's so beautiful. Loved her down. I always used to look at her and say, she's so adventurous with her hairstyles and the hair colors that she'll play with and different stuff, and she's not scared. I turned around, and my first year being in Georgia, I walked into a photo shoot 
Corinne is the other girl booked to do the photo shoot with me. I'm standing next to Corinne on the same set shooting with her. So it really changed my life. It made me understand that a lot of what I was looking at, even though I couldn't see my way through it, even though I didn't have the materials at the time, even though my mind couldn't even imagine being at that place or with these people, I still ended up being there within my first year of being in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And that was really major to me. And it's honestly something that rides me so hard because I feel like I have to top that. Mm -hmm. Because it's like coming out the gate when I got here, things really started rolling for me. Like opportunities started pouring in out of nowhere. And um, my name got in many rooms that I didn't even know that it reached until people started saying stuff. Mm -hmm. Until people started reaching out. And um, it it changed my life because it was also the place that in college, I manifested my cosmetic line. I manifest the travel makeup service. I started the travel makeup service in school, but I didn't have the funds to start the cosmetic line. But being in Georgia in October 2019, that was my second year being in Georgia, I was able to start my cosmetic line being here. Mm -hmm. So that was really major for me too. This is just like my new foundation place. Like my, my, this will always be the place where, like I said, I started my cosmetic line. This will be the, always be the place that I moved to first after graduating. Um, this will always be the first state that I moved to and bought my first apartment outside of school. It will always be those foundational things for me. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really life-changing, even spiritually. Even spiritually, just being here. Going from Florida to Georgia, the atmosphere is different. The air is different. The weather is different. We see the seasons more in Georgia. Right. And Florida is more sunny. Um, the lighting is more bright. Is Everything is just, it's just different. And um, the atmosphere does something to my energy levels. So spiritually, I had to get to a point where it's like, regardless of what I feel, I have to remember like what I have to get up and do every day mm -hmm. because this is what has to be done. So um, even spiritually, it, it has helped me grow a lot. So I have a quote, and I want to get your take on this quote, okay? Mm -hmm. So the quote is, only those who will risk going too far can possibly found, find out how far it is that they could possibly go. What does this quote mean when you hear that quote? Like, how do you feel about that quote? I feel like um, that's pretty much saying if you don't, take risk then you don't know what's possible and with you not taking risk you'll always have that what if it was possible and um I feel like that's just saying like don't be scared to do anything like seize the seize the moment seize the opportunity like scare money don't make no money and that's just that on that like you have to you can't be scared to put up something to receive something back. It, it may not show itself immediately or anything like that. You may have to work for it. Mm -hmm. You may have to wait for it. You may have to be patient. Like, But I feel like if you don't take the risk, if you don't step out and do it, if you don't, if you don't just push yourself to try, you'll never know what's possible. And with risk... Shows you what's possible, honestly. Like one of my things that I've been doing this year, but 
definitely last year, and I think that's why I'm kind of like in the position that I am now, is that I planted hella seeds. Mm-hmm. I was just planting seeds all year mm-hmm. because I feel like in order for me, if 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 I was the type of person, I was always scared of taking risks. Mm-hmm. Now, even from the outside looking in, people thought I, I took hella risks, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was always afraid to take those risks. But my risk has always been calculated. Right. So now, I I, was just about to the say way that. that I take my risk is that I would just plant little seeds here and there mm-hmm. just to see how they grow. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I start to see like actually catch fire... Then I own in on them, and then I really dive deeper into it. And from there, that's when I calculate, okay, what risk, what's something that I might have to give up to keep this going? Right. Like, right now, people probably feel like I have gotten rid of my company, Premier Ford Media Group, mm-hmm. but I haven't. If anybody who's really noticing and really following, they can see that Premier Ford Media Group is manifesting to something bigger. Right. Um, Premier Ford Media Group is what funds the Live Life Loud podcast. Right. So eventually, the production behind it will be the biggest side. Right. And the management and everything else will follow. Right. But I had to give up something to gain something. Right. You have to. And I had to risk. Like, I had to realize, okay, I have, I didn't want to be in South Florida no more. What do I do next? I don't want to be in Tallahassee. There ain't nothing Mm -hmm. in Tallahassee for me. Um... So I had to just see how far I can really go. Yeah, nothing nothing great comes without sacrifice. Honestly, right. you have to you have to sacrifice something. And like I said earlier in the um podcast, you have to um you have to just like seize the opportunity and just You put said a quote earlier and I don't remember what it was, but you said it and it stuck Ooh. out to me. And it's gonna come back. Cause I don't remember, but you said Ooh. it with so much of I don't know. I feel like I know what you're talking about because you told me say it again. I remember that. I remember you telling me to say it again, but I don't remember what it was that I said. Whatever it was, I'm going to find it and I'm going to bring it back for y'all. Yes. But that quote is like Bible. Yes. It's life. I don't know if it wasn't the get out your own way one. It was something on the lines of that. Ooh, we're going to have to play it back. <laughs> we'll bring it back. We're going to make sure y'all see all of that in the social media um content. Trust yes. me. Um, so I have another quote for you. Mm-hmm. There is no better teacher than adversity. Every defeat, every heartbreak, every loss contains its own seed, its own lesson. And how to improve your performance the next time comes from those. So what does this mean to you? It means to me, first of all, adversities create character. I say that all the time. That's how I get myself over the hump of going through something. Adversity creates character. And you don't know what winning feels like unless you've lost or you've been defeated. And you can't really appreciate winning unless you've lost or been defeated either. And then you also, um, I feel like, I feel like this goes back to us saying that L's are not losses. They're lessons. Like, drop the O-S-S and add the E-S-S-O-N. Because it, losses aren't lost. They're really lessons. Like you said, it's lessons. And in those lessons, it's just like eating a fruit. You, while you're going through the lesson, you're eating the fruit. But then at the end of it, you have the seeds that's left. You can do something with those seeds. Just because the fruit is gone does not mean that you can't do anything again. You can. You still have another option. And your other option is to plant those seeds so that you can now grow a whole tree or a whole plant of those fruits. So I think that's all that that quote is saying. Like, adversities help you get over that hump 
to what's to come. It's preparing you for what's to come. And if you don't go through anything or if you don't lose anything or if you don't get hurt throughout the process, if you don't get a scratch or a scar, then you won't appreciate winning once you are finally there or once you got the opportunity to. And then it's about understanding that life happens in seasons as well. Every season won't be a winning season. You may have a dead season. You may have a resting season. You may confuse a dead season or you may confuse a resting season for a dead season. And that's not what's happening. Mm -hmm. It may seem dark and all of that, but you might be planted. Like that I, might simply what we may be going on. You may simply be planted to right. grow. It's just not because you don't time. know what's coming out of that. Yeah, and then your next season may be. It might to feel water. like hell. Like you said, you planted all your seeds because that was not your winning season. That was your foundational season. Plant the seeds, and then you went through a watering season. You had to actually water each of them and watch them grow. Some of them grew. Some of them burned. The ones that burned, guess what you did? You took what you could take from them. To take those same steps and redo the process again, just a little bit different from the trial and error that you tried. And then the things that did do well, you know what to do. You already done it. You know how to do it again. So I feel like it's just about seasons. Like you have winning seasons, you have lesson seasons, not losses, but lesson seasons. And even with that quote, we talk about even every defeat and every heartbreak. I want to stop there for a minute because I had um, a young lady who actually DM'd me last night as I was asking about, um, you know, just some topics that they wanted to hear us talk about. Mm -hmm. And basically, she explained how she was going through a hard time mm -hmm. with the guy that she was dealing with. And she didn't know whether she should let the relationship go, um, mainly because she loved him to death. Let it go. But he's not <laughs> reciprocating the love the way she wants. But she says they've been in a relationship for the last 15 years Ooh. since she was in high school. Ooh. And once they Let moved, it go. <laughs> let let and, you it know, go. That's kind of how I feel about it. Once she, once she told me everything and she was like, when, you know, I was asking her, well, what happened? Right. Within the meantime, she basically got pregnant. Um, he cheated on her in the process while she was mm -hmm. pregnant. She got back with him, and then she was started going through postpartum. She said yeah. during that time, now she's now at a time where she's like awakening, right? And she doesn't know if this relationship is actually feeding her anymore. It's not. And I said, you know, if it's not feeding you, let it go. Yeah, I'm here to tell you that it's not feeding you, love. It's not. It's not. I get it. Um, I definitely get the whole like idea of being in a relationship for 15 years. That's a long that. time. I get that. But you got to think about the transitions that you've been through in the, in the 15 years. I tell everybody in all relationships, every time you go through something, you have to stop and do a temperature check to ask your spouse. Did you come out better or bitter? Every time y'all go, every That's time y'all <laughs> go through something, y'all have to stop and say, you okay? How do you feel? Do you feel better or are you upset at me? Are you are do you have some type of resentment towards me? What is it? People may not vocalize it, but then at that point you pay attention to people's movement. And I feel like if you don't stop to do those temperature checks over the course of 15 years, y'all can end up on a different page. And y'all clearly are on a different page because you don't feel fulfilled. Right. And, and and he may possibly not feel fulfilled either, but may be comfortable with his situation. And that may be why he hasn't changed it. What scares me is that, you know, and I didn't ask those questions 
because I, and I kind of feel like it might not be my place. But yeah. what scares me is the fact of staying together for the sake of the child. No. Because, you know, I, oh, uh, a woman who's been with somebody for that long and that's basically like all you really know because mm-hmm. you never cheated on him even though he cheated on you. Mm-hmm. That's all you know for this many years and now you have a child by them. Yeah. The, the family structure might be so important to her. That she feels like, I need to stay here for the better of my child. So he can see our parents yeah. together. I can speak from experience. I can ex- I can speak from experience. Just slight experiences. Similar. Not the exact same situation, but similar. Uh, my parents married very early on. Um, and went through a bunch of transitions and everything with each other. But they fought for their marriage so hard. Because they're kids. Mm-hmm. But... We got to witness the fight. So it it wasn't something that, it was more of a selfish decision, even though they thought that they were making it for the betterment of me and my sister. It was more of a selfish decision because we end up getting like tossed to the wayside or like overshadowed with all of the drama of their marriage. Mm-hmm. So... And being a child here and your parents argue in a room, that weigh on you after a while. Right. Because you know that they're unhappy. You grow and up. And as with that. two adults in one household, eventually the unhappiness spill out. Like it's like sweeping dust up under a rug. And then eventually somebody in the house start to get allergies. Somebody in the house start to have a reaction to all of that dust. So you only can hide it for so long. And people think that kids don't understand or they don't see. But they will grow up. They'll see something similar and it'll flash them to that moment and they'll understand what they were in eventually. Mm-hmm. And it does affect them as adults. So I think that sometimes making a decision to stay in your relationship for your children can also be selfish because sometimes it might be better. You might be showing your child. You might be showing what your not child to put up with. what not to put up with. Yeah. And like you might be showing your child how much you don't know your worth. Right. Because they'll grow, that, that follows them, like, especially if you have a little girl. Yeah. That follows her. Yeah. But then she grows older into an older woman, and she feels like, I've seen all the stuff that my mom went through with my dad, mm-hmm. and she stuck through it. I feel like I have to do the same. Yep. Which, in turn, is hindering her life. Right. Um, holding you back. And I feel like when we talk about the whole idea of, you know, loss and lessons, mm-hmm. that's not a loss. If you let that relationship go, I'm pretty sure no, you're a beautiful a woman. You're going to find somebody else who's willing to take on you and your child. And you might have a better life after that. Yeah. It's going to feel like you've let go of a burden to gain your blessings. Yeah. But a lot of times we stop shock. our blessings because we're holding on to things that we can't let go. Mm-hmm. Just because we know this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just because we comfortable. Just because we feel safe. We feel okay. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not the best way to go about it. Definitely. Once you start to feel comfortable, it's time to switch up. It's something to switch. It's time to switch up. That's how you keep yourself on your toes at all times, so where you don't get too comfortable. So when we talk about that, like, how do you feel that the people around you can really affect the impact of your future? The people around you can affect your the impact on your future strongly. Um, I feel like people should be pulling you up. You you need people that's pulling you up or a group of people around you that if you can't pull me up, then what we can do is we can stand on each other's shoulders. So I think that that matters. Um, 
You need people that feed your spirit. Like you need people that feed what you want to do. You need people that's going to uplift you and motivate you and empower you and know what you're capable of. But you also have to know those same values that you have too, because um, I don't think it all just falls on who around you. You got to want it yourself too. You got to push yourself as well. And then also put your position yourself around people who have the things that you want. Not from an envious place or anything like that, but from like a mentorship of just paying attention to the habits and the way people move and the different things that you could pick up on that you could start moving that same way so you can redeem the benefits of those actions pretty much. Mm -hmm. So I think um, the people around you can affect you very strongly because if it's people around you who don't have the same mindset as you, what's the point? Right. It's kind of like... It's pointless. It's wasting time. It's like you're not feeding my spirit. You're not, not feeding, feeding my growth. Mentally. You're not feeding my growth. You're not. Like I believe in like friendly competition. Yeah. So I like to have like a group of friends who are all like on their shit and doing mm-hmm. bomb ass shit. Yep. So that because I don't want to be the bomb of the group. Right. So I got to get on my shit. Right. So if everybody then if everybody in the crew is thinking like that and it's healthy competition, not like oh I'm envying you because you got this, you got mm-hmm. that. No, it's more it's on the um point of you're growing, yeah. I'm growing, right? You know, or you're growing and you you know a little bit more than me. Can you help me? Can right. you build me up? Because right. by you being a friend of mine who's already kind of moving up mm-hmm. in the ranks, since we are close, can you help me? Give me those gems to get there. Yeah. What what like what what's the mentality? What's the mindset that you've gotten that I may have not gotten yet, so right. I can get to those. Get and you to that see, point. what's so funny is I think that my friend circle is pretty much set up like that. Because for example, Shanice is my friend that pulls me up. Mm-hmm. Shanice Govan, she's the CEO of Shanice Hair and Shop Eye Candy. She um literally because she had products from years ago. When I was um, still at FAM, she has been selling products for a long time. So once I got my cosmetic line, I wasn't offering any products as a makeup service. So I didn't really know what to do with my products, how to price them, none of that. Once I talked to Shanice, she was the friend that pulled me up and said, Hey friend, I've had products for five years. This is how you would do that. This is who you would shop with. This is the verbiage you would use when talking to foreigners. This is what you, she did all of that with me. And then now I'm that friend, now that I have products, I'm that friend that's pulling up my next set of friends who want to try to do their own merch mm-hmm. or have their own products. So now I'm going to do that for my next set of friends. But I think that it should definitely be a chain reaction type of thing, a healthy competition type of thing. And Definitely not with no bums in the circle. Can't get jiggy with it. Because I feel like that saying, you are who you hang around with, is very true. Yeah. Now, is there stipulations to it? Yes. Like, if you hang... God, um... You ladies... I gotta... Get, I gotta... <laughs> I knew it was good. <laughs> I gotta really watch what I say. But I'm gonna say, if, if you hang it with... And what the old people call a Jezebel... If you ain't hanging with them whores, them thoughts the on whores. the other side of the room, um, I can't assume that that's who you are. But right. that is the assumption because that's who you hang. That's who I you choose. The horse. <laughs> okay. That's who you choose to hang with. So I can only from the outside looking in, people can only assume that that's who you are. Yeah. 
And eventually, not, I mean, just to say the truth of it, eventually, if you hang around those people long you enough, will. those, the, what they yeah. do, the way they think, it'll yeah. rub off on you. And consciously, you don't even notice it has happened yeah. till you find yourself in a pattern yeah. of things. And then you look yeah. back and say, damn, I did that? My mom used to always tell me, Deja, you're a leader. Stop moving with the flock. What you don't understand is you have the power to pull people up out of whatever they're dealing with or whatever they're going with. Stop allowing yourself to be the one to get sucked in when you have the stronger power to pull people to you. Mm -hmm. I used to, my mom used to tell me that all the time. But with listen, I done been around some um some whores. <laughs> I got some I got some I got some good whore friends, okay? <laughs> and some of them are good girls, and I love them down. But the best thing about it is you can't be mad. Like you could hang around like whores as long as your whore friends know that they're that. Like, <laughs> long as you and know long that you, you ain't becoming long one. as you know that you that, we good. Like I've had somebody say to me, like, oh wow, you don't act like your friends. Like I've had somebody say <laughs> that to me. Like, oh, you act the opposite of your friends. And I'm like, oh snap. Damn, my friends must be ratchet. But a little ratchet never hurt nobody. Shit, we in the age of ratchetness. <laughs> this is yeah. the most ratchet, millennial, successful people yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> right now, all oh. the millennials coming up, they are ratchet as oh, hell. <laughs> but they getting money though. Yeah. <laughs> and and they actually are being very successful at it. Yeah. So I applaud them on that. At least they're not letting the ratchetness hold them back. Yeah. You know, the the new age millennials, if I'm one of them. We just feel like, hey, I wanna have a good time at times. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm, I can be professional. Yeah. But I'm not going to let you put me in a box because I got my days when I want to be ratchet. Yeah. Like I, Megan said, if you see me at the party last night and you see me today, don't speak. Period. <laughs> don't say nothing. Because that was me at the party. Exactly. That was me last night. This is me today. <laughs> you don't know me today. I'm better today. I'm at the office building today <laughs> doing my work. Right. I'm better today. Last night, I was showing my ass at the club. <laughs> oh, God. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but at work. I'm reserved. Oh my god. I sit with my hands crossed. <laughs> it's so funny having to switch that corporate, like, the switch <laughs> corporate on. And it's so funny because I'll be at work. I promise y'all, I'll be at work and I'm like, these people don't know who they fucking with. I will flip them over. I'll be going crazy in the inside and then on the outside, I have to just like, Thank you for calling that mom Park Park Gordon. This is Deja speaking. I may help you. <laughs> I can literally go straight back to that. Oh my God, it be driving me crazy. All right. Well, Deja, you know, that's all we got time for today. I mean, I love you. Love your spirit. Yes, you, love you, you too. came. You showed out. We love it. Tell the people where they can find you on social media. Yes, y'all can find me on multiple social media accounts. The first one you can find me as my <laughs> personal account. That's at Bella underscore D-O-N-D. That's Bella Don. Bella Don D. So Bella underscore D-O-N-D. And then my business pages. The makeup travel service is Doll by Day. That's D-O-L-L-D-B-Y-D-A-Y. At Doll by Day. All one word. And then the cosmetic line page where you can shop for your vegan, gluten-free, 24-month lifespan makeup products. That'll be at Bella, B-E-L-L-A-D-O-N-D-C-O-S-M-E-T-I-C-S. <laughs> Bella Dawn Cosmetics. So y'all follow me. 
hit me up, ask me any questions, talk to me, whatever y'all want. I'm down to help. I'm pretty friendly. And I'm your boy once again, the host, Mr. Spank Two Live. And you can follow me on Instagram at underscore underscore spank. That's S P A N K. The number two, like number two, L I V E E Live. And we out. Yo. You gotta give me a yo one time. Yo. Hey.